This is RangerCast, Volume 2, Episode 1, After 10 Years, We're Free. This is RangerCast. As always, I'm Tyler, better known as Rito Volto, and I am joined by... Hi, I'm Tori. And I'm Lamar. Okay, now it has been a while since our last episode, and by a while, I mean uh, 10 years. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one took a long, long time to work on. It's very, very well produced, or as well produced as you're used to. Okay, maybe a little bit better. Um, so RangerCast was, it seems like it kind of became the Velvet Underground of Power Rangers podcast. It started as a high school senior, actually, back in 2005. Um, you know, really like the lowest of low budget. Uh, and it went on for about seven years or so. Uh, talking to cast and crew, going to cons, but life happened for all of us involved. And it kind of uh, petered out. But people from that show went on to create No Pink Spandex and work for sites like GameSpot, Inverse, and Den of Geek. And I'm really, really super duper proud of them and inspired other podcasts. Uh, And uh, yeah, so as for me, it nurtured what became more than a decade in local journalism. I've been looking for a while now for an opportunity to get back into podcasting. And I needed a why. And eventually I found that in the Power Rangers subreddit, r slash Power Rangers. We plan to work in content for the subreddit, but this reversioning, if you will, of RangerCast will have its own identity and will work in things and people, personalities who you might not necessarily see on the subreddit. So uh, folks know who I am. Uh, Tori, tell uh, the listeners at home who you are. Um, yeah, hi everyone. I'm Tori. Uh, I use she/they pronouns. Um, I'm the host of Giant Sized Violence, the first and so far only fan podcast for Ultra Mega, the comic book by James Heron. But we also talk about a lot of other tokusatsu on there, especially in the form of comics or other toku that is geared toward older audiences. Uh, let's see, I'm working on a graphic novel on my end, hopefully launching next year, called When We Transform. And I think that's about it for me and my toku credentials. Rock on. Yeah. And uh, Lamar, how about you? Yeah, so my credentials aren't quite that uh, expansive. I've been a Power Rangers fan since before I can remember. Um, I have most recently acted as Alex Drake in Power Rangers The Audio Drama, which is a fan production. I've also been cast in another fan project, which I can't disclose currently, but uh, should be coming up hopefully soon. And um, the avid poster um, and... um, Upvoter on Reddit. Uh, my handle is u slash rrr dash ll, and I'm happy to be part of this. I'm a mod on the subreddit under the username 
Arisef, uh and uh, Primo Piccolo from Ranger Board was supposed to be joining us, but uh, he could not make it tonight. Okay, now let's get into Ranger news. Um, so San Diego Comic-Con uh, was light, in fact, non-existent in terms of announcements for the show, but Hasbro was there, and we did get uh, some toy announcements, including a um, yet another Tommy figure, a um, metallic armor white ranger. Uh, I think we have a full team of metallic armor rangers right now, which is cool. It comes with uh, the uh, Zeo crystal prop uh, and all that. And it's yet another head for Tommy. Um, you know, long hair, all that, like he had in season three. And also, they're doing the another Zord Ascension pro um, project Megazord, or Zord, period. Uh, it is, of course, the Dragon Zord. And it will be able to combine with the uh, Megazord toy, which I believe has not yet been shipped. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, to That's form correct. a Mega Mega Dragon Zord. Um, what do you guys think about uh, the um, the Dragon Zord sculpt? Because eh. So the Dragon Zord is one of those absolutely iconic Zords. That's the sort of thing that I I think for most of us you see that on the screen and you're hooked. The current sculpt it looks good, it looks detailed, but it doesn't quite have the same, I would say, imagination that the Megazord proper does, because I think what they were trying to do with the Megazord that's going to be shipping out soon um, is they were trying to do it not just as it was, but as kind of you would have imagined it to be. It looks like for the Dragon Zord, they're going a little bit closer to formula. Yeah, yeah, I think they do do something interesting. Uh, in the show, I believe the Green Ranger was only in the cockpit of the Dragon Zord once. And this kind of imagines where that cockpit would be. The same way some, some, you know, some media Hasbro's kind of misrepresented where the Dino Megazord co uh, cockpit is just for the sake of convenience, because they don't make figures that tiny either. Um, but something that kind of grinds my gears about the uh, the Megazord 2 is the way that there are parts of the texture, like you can see around the chest plate, for example, that are bumpy, that don't need to be bumpy, that are flat on the show. Uh, there's a th thing with the Megazord as well. Um... And also for me, like I look on my shelf to my left, I've got, I've got you know Legacy Ultra Zord, I've got a Mini Plus Dragon Zord. I, I I think I could skip this one. I completely get that. Um, I kind of came into collecting late. Um, I pretty much started just as the Lightning Collection started. So for me, this one's going to be a buy. Um, but that's because I've wanted the Dragon Zord since before I could spell Dragon Zord. Yeah. And I, I, I should actually uh, also say that you can also make uh, Dragon Zord Battle Mode out of the two combined toys. So that, that looks nice. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Hmm? I, uh, I myself have the old Legacy Dragon Zord from back when Bandai still had the right. license. Yes, and exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That one's got a really nice heft to it. Uh, Sadly, got it secondhand, so I don't have all the accessories. And I now have that most recent Hasbro release of the Megazord, not the full Ascension one, just the like mass market, like 30, 40 buck one. Uh, 
and it really breaks my heart that they can't combine. Uh, I think both Ascension versions of the Zords look amazing, but yeah, I don't know if I can justify dropping $200 on yet another version of both Zords. Yeah, yeah, or like the Zeomega Zord that they put out uh, some time Ugh. ago. Um, that doesn't, you're, you know, to your point about heft, it doesn't have the same like die cast kind of weight that, uh, that the Bandai toys did. Um, and that I'm it's not sure what's behind that choice. Hmm? It's gone on sale a lot. Um, I've seen it, yeah. you know, marked down to $35. And I, I think the simple reason for that is because it's a combining toy that doesn't combine. You know, yeah. um, I, I've seen plenty of Transformers figures that I don't transform. And I'm like, I, I feel like you're missing the point here. Well, I understand the logic of put of having put that put that toy out. You know, because like, you know, when you have a combining figure, you, you kind of have to pick one. Either it combines or it can move very well. Um, and the Legacy Z Omegazord, I'm, or excuse me, Lighting Collection Z Omegazord, um, it can move pretty well. Though I still can't get over the fact that the the wings are out when that was not a thing in the show. Yeah, the uh, for me, it's the like eighty eighty five dollar price point they put on that thing when they released Why is it. That much? If, if you look uh, at, well, maybe it was only know. sixty. I could be misremembering there, but it was sixty yeah. to eighty. And like, at least growing up, I was used to the the version that doesn't combine being the cheap one, or like the one you open. You're that the one you open at yeah. Christmas. You're excited for a minute, and then once you get it out of the box, you realize, oh, it's. It's that it's one. one. Yeah. yeah, because those were usually like smaller, more, you know, you know, more kiddie. Though I guess, you know, Power Rangers toys, you know, what what else do you expect? Um, so moving on, we also did uh, get some comic news out of San Diego, um, which is that Melissa Flores um, will be writing episode or excuse me, issues uh, 101 and on. Uh, alongside artist Simona DG and Felice. Uh, if I butchered that, I'm I'm sorry. Um, but Melissa Flores, for those who don't know, uh, worked at Saban Brands and transitioned over to Hasbro, and was a uh, co-producer on um, Power Rangers Beast Morphers, and was kind of you know the keeper of canon, working with Boom Studios, working on Power Rangers Hyperforce. All that was her baby for a good few years. And I'm really excited to see her return to the franchise. And I can't really think of a lot of better people who I would have, you know, take the comic into our own hands. And Tori, you actually spoke to her not that long ago on your podcast, correct? Yeah. On the most recent episode of Giant Sized Violence, she came on to promote her book, uh, Dead Lucky, which is her first ever comic that just came out on this Monday. Or sorry, not this Monday. Uh, just came out on this Wednesday. And... Sadly, at the time of recording that, uh, she knew she was going to be the next writer. At least the ink was about to dry there, but I uh, couldn't publicly speak on it. So we didn't get to get into that. But um, I think if I were not associated with Melissa Flores or if I didn't know who she was going into this, the only concern I would have is that, yeah, she's almost brand new into writing comics herself. But uh, having read Dead Lucky issue one, 
it's a really great first issue for a superhero book and especially one that isn't really like many other superhero books out there and tackles a lot of heavy subjects and just that first 26 pages of the story. Uh, so I am fully confident that she's going to do great things with this. She's overseen some of the best decisions on the show, uh, helped shape the comic books already into what they were since Ryan Parrott and Kyle both kind of reported to her for a while. Uh, so yeah, I don't think there's almost any better person they could have got for the job. Yeah, I mean, the, the comics have been really a shining point in the franchise, I'd say. Basically, as soon as Boom uh, released Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue one, and I'm really excited to see that continue. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also they announced a new Power Rangers Ninja Turtles crossover, so there's that. Um, but I am really excited to see what... Uh, where they got cooking after the charge to 100. But, you know, this also means that Matt Groom and Ryan Parrott are both leaving the series. Uh, but, you know, cheers to them, especially Ryan, for a really, really, really long and fruitful run, uh, which in his case included some of Shattered Grid. Yeah, I think Ryan has been almost the shining star of the Power Rangers comics so far. Like, pick up the gauntlet after Kyle Higgins, like just did the best thing in power Rangers media in years. And the first thing really targeted to fans, our age and the first major event with shattered grid. Like I, I feel like he was given the most daunting task to follow that up and he killed it. Like he's done things with these characters that I haven't seen anyone else do. And I'm sad to see him go, but at least we're getting him back for uh, the Ninja Turtles power Rangers crossover again. Um, mm. So I suspect he's not done forever with the franchise in general, but uh, also like kudos to Matt Groom for his time working on the book. Like I think he's kind of what a lot of us fan podcasters aspire to be going from making his own Ranger podcast, covering every episode of the show on Ranger danger and working his way into writing the book and contributing to the story himself. Like that's about all a fan could hope for there. Yeah. That's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so in other Ranger news, um, just a couple weeks from now, Paramorphicon uh, will get off in Pasadena, California, its ancestral home. Um, I guess, no, its ancestral home would be downtown L.A., but that building was knocked down. Uh, but I digress. So they keep, they're still you know, announcing guests at a steady pace even now. Most recently, Hillary Shepard, Amy Rowley, Richard Brancantissino, uh Michael Gatto, who played uh, young Tommy in Alien Rangers, um, you know, even voice actors like Jeff Dolan, uh, Chris Graham, Neil Kaplan, Derek, Derek Stephen Prince, they're all coming. I don't know how they're going to fit all those tables in that exhibit hall. Um, but we're also hearing more details about uh, events around the con and things you can buy tickets for, including the VIP after party on Friday night. Uh, the Gold Ranger Breakfast, uh, the field trip, which was a dud last time, though that was not the proprietor's fault. Um, the bus company flaked on him. Um, you can also pre-order the uh, exclusive Super 7 toys. There's no exclusive Hasbro toy per se. Now, here is uh, here's the thing that probably was raised the most eyebrows uh, 
among those pre-sales. So uh, Ryoto Ozawa, who played Captain Marvelous in, Go- in Gokaiger, he's going to be a guest. And uh, if you want to be guaranteed uh, you know, an autograph, you want to be guaranteed you know, going right up to the front of the line, no matter which day you want to get that autograph and photo, you got to pay $300. There's a line for people not paying $300. But yeah, $300. I, who, yeah, that, I think I heard that just now, that gasp. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I don't have that in my wallet, generally. I mean, yeah, neither do I. Well, I mean, I, I, maybe I will, but, you know, I want to get more than one autograph. Um, but, you know, supply and demand, folks. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... If I were flying to the other side of the planet to go to a con for a show that's not even that widely popular in the the uh, target destination, I would probably charge about an arm and a leg for pictures and autographs if I knew the demand would still be there. But even then, though, like I think it's shocking when any con guest charges like $80 for a picture or an autograph, so... I, I can't believe someone from something as obscure as Gokaiger in the U.S., can charge 300 bucks for a photo op. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other things, you know, about the guest lineup at PMC this year that I have issues with. But uh, a lot of this is old news and in the fandom has been picked over uh, already. Um, I think those of you who know your PMC history know exactly which guest I'm talking about. Um, but <laughs> I... I, I think i'm not gonna uh you know beat that dead horse because there's no way they're gonna uninvite samuel benta um a little late now uh but yeah uh so you can go on buy your merchandise online um i will be there um i will not be uh you know offering my autograph at a table but you know we can talk about price um you know at some point so we're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all it's all negotiable. You know, under the table, it's it's easy money. Um, now, if I pay extra, can I budge in front of whoever you're currently negotiating with to get that autograph and picture? Absolutely, I I will be taking bids. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, here's a word from some friends of the show. My nephew liked the Power Rangers, and I did this on his birthday where he had all his friends around. They were like Green. I said, let me show you the real Sentai. I'm going to show you the episode where Green Ranger actually died. And they were sitting there looking. A couple kids start crying like, no, Green Ranger can't be daddy. And the parents were like, what are you showing our kids? The Anime World Order podcast. Not suitable for children because the truth hurts. Visit us online at www.animeworldorder.com. And we are back. And now it's time for a little bit of Tokusatsu news. Uh, so the other day, uh, Kamen Rider, uh, Gates, Gates, excuse me, Kamen Rider Gates, it's confusing to read in English, uh, had their press conference and cast announcements, and you kind of get a Ryuki vibe here, and the fact that there are about, uh, at least seven riders, um, and rather than fighting each other, uh, there, uh, is, per se, this new series is built around the Desire Grand Prix with riders fighting for the chance to uh, remake the world. 
a comrade Geats. His name is Ace uh, Ukiyo Hidetoshi. We played by Khan Hideyoshi. Uh, he is a mysterious, determined young man uh, whose reasons for joining the Grand Prix will be revealed uh, as the series progresses. Kamenari Takun, these are four main riders, by the way. Uh, Kagekazu Sakurai, played by Ria Sato. She is an unemployed college student who dreams of world peace. Kamenari Nago, uh, who's Kurama Neon, played by Yumena Hoshino, is a social media influencer. Uh, who wishes for an ordinary life. Um, I'm reading this from Toku Nation, by the way. Go check their site out. Uh, Kamen Rider Bufa, uh, real name is Azuma Michinage, played by Toyo Kazuto, is a fighter who sees Geats as his greatest rival. Um, so music will be uh, from Kodakumi and Shonan no Kaze. Uh, that group also did the Gaim theme, Just Live More. The show premieres September 4th. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, Geats? Have you guys seen the trailer? Um, I haven't seen the trailer, but I have seen some of the promotional art and that main poster. And I think the character designs from this season look absolutely crazy. And uh, probably my favorite of the last several recent writers. And I have to admit, I'm not as familiar um, on the... Um... Common writer um, and their associated medias, uh, but you know, looking at the designs, these are clearly some fantastic costume work. Um, my wife's a semi-professional costumer, and so I, you know, I can see how much work and effort uh, and detail has to go into these types of things. Yeah, yeah, they they look really great, and um, I'll be honest, I don't really follow fan subs a lot because it's kind of like trying to get into a speakeasy now um and we're not going to tell you how to find them um but they they do look nice and i look forward to seeing the show however it is distributed but here's something you know cool for once like the toys are coming to the states uh the same time the show does thanks to uh, team common rider over at uh the company formerly known as bluefin uh they are bringing the toys over uh, I think they're like Bandai Namco collectibles, something like that. They changed the name. I guess it was coming eventually. Um, so that's really cool. And of course, we also have um, the uh, Kuga Blu-ray uh, coming, I believe, in the fall-ish uh, from Shout Factory. Uh, but there's also other uh, Toku Blu-ray news uh, coming out of Otakon and Discotech Media. They announced a new label, Toku Time. Uh, to release a uh, well, first a really obscure film. Name escapes me. It's a kaiju film. Uh, something about monsters. I'll I'll listen to the show notes. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's that wasn't the thing that people were freaking out about, even in the room. Um, because they announced that they will be putting out like they put out uh Just Beyond a couple years ago. Uh, and they are putting out another uh metal one. Well, like another Toys Hero series, uh, Uchu Keiji Gavan, uh, which is, it was revolutionary in the things it was doing at the time. And there's you know, so much love even today for Gavan. That's why you turned up in Go Busters and turned up in Go Kaiger and uh, that Decker Ranger team up movie and all these other things. Uh, in Beast Morphics, you knew him as Captain Chaku. Um, but yeah, it's coming on Blu-ray. There's an HD 
uh, release from Japan uh, that was that already existed. It will include um, a movie-length discussion uh, between Kenji Oba and the action director Osamu Kaneda, uh, as well as photos and a historical essay written by uh, my friend Mike Dent. Um, he had to actually destroy some of his own photo books to help, you know, build out that release. Um, so he really, you know, put uh, sacrificed a lot to make this happen. And I am super duper proud of him. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you guys looking forward to Gavin? Um, I'd definitely be open to to looking into it um, from the information that I've been reading up on it because I wasn't familiar with it before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it looks like this is the kind of series that if you really want to understand the franchise and the genre, this is one of those big hitters. Um, you know, and my wife and I are always looking for new shows and new franchises to get into. So this is definitely going to be on our watch list. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, it's part of the Uchu Keiji series, which uh, it was the first installment in the series, actually. Um, and, you know, that same series gave us uh, Shariban, uh, Shider, uh well, Just Beyond was the, the fourth, but a few of these series were um, uh, chopped into pieces to make VR Troopers. Uh, I want to say Spielbahn, uh, Metalder, and Scheider uh, were chopped up for VR Troopers. Um, but there are other other uh, Metal Hero, that's what I meant, Metal Hero series shows that they could draw from you know, there on the table for, for discotech uh, besides uh, B-Fighter and B-Fighter Kabuto which are off limits, you know, if they put out Wind Spectre, Jan Person, you know, I'll be right there. Um, now, now was uh space sheriff Gavin, was that the one where the uh, main character had a giant robot to deal with the Kaiju size threats? Or was that one of the sequel series? I don't think he did. Okay. I must well, he, no, he, he, he had a tank. He had a tank. Gotcha. Okay, I forget which one of the space sheriffs has the robot then, yeah. but um, like I'm vaguely familiar with the series. I know it's super beloved. I hear the movie is pretty good too, which I haven't seen the announcements of that being on this Blu-ray, but I hope it is because I'd love to take in a more condensed form of this material. But uh, could you could either of you tell us a bit about like what makes this series so uh, influential or significant when it's coming out in the 80s after a lot of the like Sentai and common Rider tropes had been established by that point? I think that it was key in the same way that Spider-Man was key uh, in setting the tone for, for Metal Hero shows. Like it was the, the way it was shot, the way it was directed um, and the, the action. Uh, it really set the tone for a lot of the fighting style that came after that, also the uh, just the, the charisma of Kenji Oba, you know, at, at that point, he'd already been you know, suit, a suit actor in Goranger. He was in an episode of Jackar. Uh, he was in Message from Space Galactic Wars. He was in Battle Fever J uh, as Battle Kenny. He was Denji Blue and Denji Man, and it it really you know rides his charisma to success and. Uh, you know, I, I think you know, the proof is in the pudding. Like after um, Gavan, he 
reprise his role. Like he it was so beloved that in Shadiban, uh, Gaban appears in like half the show because fans just wanted him back that bad, and he made another appearance in Shider, uh, as well as in uh, Metaldor, Jiraiya, uh, not necessarily playing the same character, but that's how 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 much people love the character. And also, for those who don't know, Kenji Oba was also in Kill Bill. He was um, uh, Shiro, the uh, the bald um, sous chef assistant uh, to uh, Hattori Hanzo, played by Sonny Chiba. Um, so, you know, if you if you swear you know him somewhere, that's where you know him from. <laughs> and uh, in other news, this could have gone the PR block, uh, but didn't quite fit. Koichi Sakamoto, the former stunt coordinator and co-executive producer and executive producer of the show. Um, for those who don't know, after uh, RPM, he went to Japan and started working on uh, Sentai and Kamen Rider and Ultraman and stuff over there. Uh, the uh, 12th Satellite Broadcast Association of Japan Regional Program Awards, this is reported from Tokusatsu Network, uh, he did an action scene during the entrance and hit the a program he directed called 24 Hours Marugoto, Koichi Sakamoto's Tokusatsu Action Special Program, won Best Variety at the Grand Prix and Television Program category. Uh, judges called the program a national treasure, amen to that, and the Grand Slam of the Tokusatsu world. Uh, in his speech, he uh, said, I quote, I can't believe I'm actually here. I'm so glad that I worked very hard these past 38 years. Um, and, uh, the Ultraman official channel posted a preview for his program, and we will share that in the show notes. And, um, also, uh, going back to Kai Kamen Rider, the first two episodes, as, as we record this, the first two episodes of, uh, Kamen Rider Double, um, Futo P.I. are up. I haven't seen them, um, but I've seen a clip of the tension sequence and it, it except for being animated it is exactly as you remember it down to you know the cyclone joker all that stuff it is well, just you know no notes uh yeah, and, have you guys y'all seen it um i have not seen it yet but i'm super pumped to check it out since uh i'm not the biggest fan of he say era writer stuff um but even double has caught my eye i've liked what i've seen of it but do you know where we can watch the first couple episodes of Crunchyroll Weekly? Only on Crunchyroll. Crunchy yeah, yeah. I don't know about a physical release. Um, as for why Shout is putting out uh, Kuga and not Double, uh, I actually asked um, the producer, Brian Ward, about this uh, when he was taking questions on Twitter. Um, it's because they already had it subbed and it does well streaming. Um, so that's why they didn't, you know, go and grab double. Uh, and I, whatever, you know, I, maybe, you know, this will work out and people will be so interested in double that people end up uh, manifesting that. Um, so that's, that's the reason they're not, uh, you know, you think it would make sense, but whatever, I don't work for toy. Now we're going to also have to pivot to, a little bit of sad news. Um, Ichiro Mizuki, who's done a lot of songs for Tokusatsu and anime, everything from Daitetsujin Dai 17 to um, to Tao and Geki Ranger, uh, a bunch of other stuff over the years, 
he revealed uh, last month that he's been diagnosed with lung cancer with lymph node that spread to his lymph nodes and spread to his brain, which is not great. Um, last April, he uh, suffered partial paralysis of the vocal cords, and earlier this year, a test revealed that uh, he had cancer. So he had surgery in June, and he is undergoing therapy. He's making good progress. Uh, he's getting back to his activities, you know, even as he's you know undergoing vocal therapy, motor therapy, even before the cancer diagnosis. He did a concert alongside Jam Project, and his voice was not great. Um, he's 74. He's determined to keep going. Um, we don't really know much further about uh, his condition, but I, I can tell you that uh, we all wish him well. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, a cancer diagnosis is is scary, regardless of who you are and, and where you're from, but... It sounds like he's really pushing his way through. He's not letting it beat him, um, you know, and, it, you know, prayers and and thoughts his way. Yeah, and he absolutely is the OG. Like, he's done songs for Stronger, Black RX, New Common Rider, um, you know, Mazinger. Yeah, you know, that's probably what he's best known for. You know, theme songs for the Mazinger Z franchise. Um, and he found a jam project, which... Uh, has done without him themes for Gardo, um, Rescue Fire, and a whole bunch of other uh, live action animated shows. So obviously, you know, we wish him all the best and a swift recovery. And on that note, uh, we're going to take another quick break and we will be right back. Hello. My name's Callum, and this is the Lightning Collective Podcast, where myself and guests discuss everything Power Rangers. From the TV show to the films, comics, and toys, no stone is left unturned. Join me fortnightly on Sundays. Okay, now for our big discussion topic episode. We're going to be doing, you know, various different discussion topics on episodes when there aren't new episodes to talk about. Which, especially with the way that uh, Power Rangers moved more to Netflix, got you know, from Nickelodeon, um, you know, we're going to have to get a little creative probably a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, probably talk about episodes in you know, monetized chunks. Um, but rather than open with that, we wanted to ask a big question with this first episode back, which is uh, the state of Power Rangers. Right now, everything is very much in flux. After uh, Hasbro, of course, bought the property, uh, AllSpark ran it for about a season for, through Beast Morphers, and then they bought a company called Entertainment One and moved oversight of the show over to them. Uh, and also, in that time, the president of Hasbro, whose personal relationship with Heim Saban going back to Bandai and his love for the show, love for the property, is what led Hasbro to buy Power Rangers. He uh, sadly uh, died uh, of cancer. Um, and, you know, you wonder, like, where, not only where um, where the show goes from here, clearly they have a new showrunner coming aboard with Jonathan Whistle overseeing everything and Jenny Klein overseeing a show specifically for Netflix, 
but also all these rumors and what have you. And I think we as fans, I think after, you know, seeing the show almost get canceled or actually get canceled multiple times, I think that we're, we're probably sensitive to changes like this. And um, I was wondering, what do you, uh, what do you guys think about uh, about what's coming? What do you guys uh, expect from the uh, the new regime? Um, I'm honestly expecting big things, uh, both from the creators and this also being under kind of the Netflix umbrella. Like uh, for Entwistle himself, I know he was overseeing the Netflix series. Uh, I am not okay with this, which is like peak canceled queer netflix media was just an excellent one season show that i think was actually a casualty of covid that it didn't return but he's definitely he definitely knows what he's doing when it comes to uh shows about super powered teenagers and i'm curious to see his take on power rangers um on top of that like i always i've always felt like i wish power rangers got the same treatment of the beloved toy franchises of the 80s got like transformers or now in this case masters of the universe because netflix has done a really great job with that and with catering to multiple markets since we have kevin smith's uh masters of the universe revelation doing maybe the best masters of the universe has ever done in the animal medium but then also doing a separate cartoon for younger audiences so they're not just steering the brand away from who it was originally for and this being Netflix, I think we have a good chance of seeing multiple series there, or at least multiple projects yeah. to cater to everyone. Yeah, I think that's been a you know, great untapped potential. And, and part of this is because of Toy. Um, you know, what, whatever you want to believe about you know, the future of Hasbro and Toy, um, you know, there's nothing to indicate that they're headed to Splitsville. Um, like one site reported, but I think there's always been this, like, you know, kids, like they're fans, they age out, but you, you look at Marvel, you have, you know, the mass market movies, uh, and you have the mass market TV shows, then you have the shows for kids and you, you like, I feel like, yeah, there's for a long time, there's been a way at Power Ranger hasn't really captured the demo effectively. The comics and um, Battle for the Grid are um, are showing that there is a market there. There's a man there. And I think that something gives me solace is the fact that they didn't just hire... I don't... Don't take this as denigrating the great work that, that's being done by Simon Bennett... Um, Becca Barnes, Alwyn Dale, and everybody else. But they hired um, good American talent with resumes, um, like Jonathan Entwistle, but also Jenny Klein, um, who created the thing about Pam over at NBC. Uh, she also worked on Daisy Jones and The Six and Amazon. Uh, she wrote for Cloak and Dagger, Jessica Jones, Supernatural. Um, those are very... And then Witcher, those are very, very high-profile shows, and it will be interesting to see what she brings to um, to whatever the next iteration of Power Rangers is. There's been talk, I think, Ed Whistler said, you and tweets, he's not being shy about this, that he sees it as a new universe, 
um, I'm a little apprehensive about that because it means that, like, what does it mean for the old universe, you know? Um, and But also, how much does it matter if, you know, everybody knows, everybody loves Tommy, you know? <laughs> are they just going to bring stuff back in almost like the same way that Lucasfilm, after, under Disney, jettisoned the extended universe, but then brought back or, or repurposed things as it was convenient for them? Yeah, I mean, the state um, of the franchise is, is obviously uh, in flux right now, but honestly, I would say that's a good thing, um, given kind of the, the ups and downs. I mean, you mentioned the show had been canceled, what, two or three times already? Um, and it, it keeps coming back, and there's a reason for that, and it's, it's us, it's the fans. Um, now, I think with the Hasbro acquisition... They've really done a good job at trying to invest in the property to try and make it, like you were saying, to, to the same scale of uh, Masters of the Universe or Transformers. Um, and, you know, it's up to us to, to keep supporting it. And they've, they've been putting out some quality stuff. And clearly, they're not just focused on the under 10 demographic and, you know, get your, get, you know, sell your uh, cheap Megazord toys real quick and move on to the next season. They're, they're really trying to make this a long-running franchise. And, you know, I mean, yes, this there might be, you know, changes to the way the universe works, but, I mean, the comics themselves are also an alternate universe. Um, you know, the original six didn't have cell phones back in the day, uh, but we, we love the comic universe. So I would say trying to stick too closely to the old canon... Um, would potent would limit things um, in you know kind of the same way that the com you know comic books like DC and Marvel tend to rebirth their series every now and then. Um, it, you know it's good to see Power Rangers, a thirty-year-old franchise, doing the same. Yeah, yeah. and uh, to your point about uh, what they're going to be doing with the old canon and continuity, uh, I mean, I personally feel like continuity in any franchise should be more of a toolbox than a, or sorry, should be more of a toy box than a rule book. Uh, like Transformers, for instance, that first generation cartoon has like three or four different comic series that all splinter out of it, like full on different continuities that use that for original series as their foundation. And I think Power Rangers has a perfect continuity for that already, since all of the interesting things we want to see in this universe about, like, what happened to the original team in adulthood? Where are they now? Or, like, are some of these organizations like Lightspeed Rescue or Time Force or SPD still out there doing things? Or, like, what is the timeline with all of these events and all of these shows? I think there's so many interesting things there that they can explore without having to wipe out any of the old continuity, but they can still just gently nod to it without having to act like it's the end all be all. And they have to constantly reference to things that happen to the show. Yeah. I think Melissa Flores once said like, you know, behind the scenes, they were thinking about 2025 they were thinking about SPD and what they would do to reconcile in the fact that also Mystic Force kind of backed them into a corner on this because they can't retcon that. Um, you know, Piggy's cameo. So they're kind of like, you know, it kind of becomes a non-issue if it's not canon anymore 
but then it becomes awkward if you decide to reference SPD again and you don't see aliens walking around everywhere. But on the other hand, does the target demo care? I mean, we got three more years until 2025. I'm not discounting an alien invasion. Yeah, yeah. Peaky was just real, real, real early. Um, <laughs> but I think that if this is, you know, uh, if we're going to hit reset, I think um, these last couple seasons have been a good victory lap for the old stuff that we liked, celebrated in a in a fun way. I mean, Grid Connection was not great, uh, but it was good to see Jason again. It was good to see the Dino Charge Rangers again. It was good to see um, several characters for RPM who we were not necessarily expecting to see. Um, Accidental casting website uh, updates, you know, notwithstanding. It was great to see Colonel Truman, even for just a moment. Great to see Dr. K. It feels like we were getting... It tastes of something that Samurai kind of deprived us. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, franchises kind of need to either sink or swim. Um, it's like a shark. You got to keep moving forward or you'll suffocate. Um, you know, there are some franchises that, like, for example, I love Gargoyles, but they've struggled to be putting out new stuff and, and trying to, to kind of keep that moving. And as such, there's almost, you know, the, the fan base is very small. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Marvel and DC, show, you know, franchises that are constantly willing to reinvent themselves. And yeah, they make mistakes sometimes in their reinventions. But, you know, it, well, I mean, DC is probably not the best example of healthy. But, I mean, Marvel <laughs> has made, what, you know, probably $20 billion dollars over the past 10 years um, just, you know, by by trying things out. So I'm glad Power Rangers has taken the same approach. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you think of the toys lately? Because there's a lot of a lot of discussion out there in the fans about the paintwork and what ha and mistakes on Lightning Collection. Um, I mean, besides, you know, do better. What do you want to <laughs> see uh, change or improve about the toy line? I'm really not too caught up on some of the detail changes people are complaining about because at the end of the day, for the level of detail these figures are, they're not that ridiculously expensive compared to a lot of other things that are out there. Um, I, I really like that they're also tending to be adventurous with what rangers they're pulling from, often pulling cool variants from the comics, like the recent Red Ranger Sentry from the Draken universe. Um, what I would like to see, though, is... Maybe a couple more of those, uh, like they did a Psycho Rangers box, and I think one or two other boxes of right, yeah. uh, several characters or a full team. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I think for some of the seasons that maybe they haven't tapped into at all, that would be great. Or like, hey, I'd buy an Alien Rangers box or something like that. Uh, and I know they have the Zord Ascension project, but I'd really just love to see more Zords and more fun done with that, especially if we've got the pull or the resources they have for Transformers figures. Like, yeah, can we use some of those production resources to put out some of the less mainstream Zords? Get re-releases of those? Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's an economic question for Hasbro, especially right now. Uh, you know, with the, the supply chain crunch and all that and the last impacts uh, of that. 
But, you know, also there's the fact that, you know, the reason why they keep putting out different variations of Tommy is it sells. Exactly. MMPR sells. Um, whereas, you know, nobody except for us weirdos remembers RPM, which barely aired at, on, on Nicktoons or anything else after, um, after Saban acquired the show. I thought that was still on the, the ABC bracket. Um, well, no, 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 no. I mean, after, after Saban, re- it aired, when RPM aired, it aired only in ABC Kids and only in certain places, like not in a lot of the top markets. And where it did air, it often aired at very weird times. The reason why is because it didn't match uh, educational informational requirements. So that's why they hit it. Um, or didn't air, that's why affiliates hit it or didn't air it because they didn't need to, um, or they needed to air something else. Um, so that's why you know may as well not have aired at all, um, from a certain point of view, um, which is why you know the big, big flex that Beast Morph has made was having its villain actually be Vengex. Yeah, no. Um, I honestly, I I loved that. Um, RPM was actually the show that I, I did to introduce my wife to Power Rangers, and you know, I, I think there's there's a good reason that that's a good stepping stone. It's independent. Um, it's kind of got a more mature tone, not obviously like R-rated, but you know, a little less. But uh, to go back to your point about the Lightning Collection, um, I think we're going to be seeing more Mighty Morphin for a lot longer um, for a number of reasons. One, of course, is that was, you know, Power Rangers at its highest. Um, two, you know, there were three years with the Mighty Morphin suits as opposed to one or two at the most for some of the other suits. Um, in addition, you've also got the comics, which are very popular. That's also more MMPR. So really, I mean, we're if you're you tack on the um, comics run as well, you've got almost a decade with Mighty Morphin, and then just a year with Time Force. It makes sense why they would focus more on Mighty Morphin. Um, big issues with the Lightning Collection seems to be, and as somebody who's been collecting it since the beginning. There's quality control issues that they used to catch that they're just they're not um, like the stripes on uh, on Merrick's um, Merrick's chest or even more uh, dramatic. I, you know, on the Lightning Collection subreddit, so many people were posting their Ninjetti figures that had two left oh, yeah. uh, fists or mm. I got a in space pink that had this huge glue smudge on her visor. And, you know, I, I reached out to Hasbro, at, you know, asking, like, hey, can you fix this? They just sent me an SPD pink in exchange. And I'm like, well, okay. And I still haven't been able to track down a, a good in-space pink yet. Um, it, it's It's been a bit of a declining. I, I think that's partly COVID, partly, you know, it's just it's expensive. Um, and, you know, yeah, keep now- it at a good price point. 
even though I defended them earlier, yeah, I have to cop that the Ninjetti figures, their level of quality control is just abysmal on that. And I've heard there's a few reasons behind that. Like, I think one is that they're developed in a different factory or even a different country than most of the other ones in the line. And the plastic material is different, I think, to better show the, like, cloth, cloth fabric of their suits. But, I mean, when I went to Target and I saw they had four white Ninjetti figures and each one of them was either like a slightly different tint of white or had a different paint smudge somewhere on it or like Tommy's face looked a bit different on each one. I was like, wow, this is... Uh, these are wild card figures here and I, I feel like some of these are going to go for a lot more down the line than others given just how shoddy so many of them are. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't meant to say anything, you know, uh, that we're, you know, cutting ourselves off from the line or anything like that. It, you know, when when the Lightning Collection figures are at their best, they are absolutely gorgeous. I have a, a huge collection in my man cave. I absolutely love it. I just, I, I, I want them to do better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if they're going to stick with MP, MPR, um remember the last PMC that Bandai was there, um, Jason Bischoff led a panel and tried to leverage the crowd into chanting for Legacy Collection Tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would buy that in a heartbeat. I mean, they first need to put out, you know, um, Thunderswords and and all that and Tigers are, I'm sure they're gonna get to it, but you know it's for tour 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 tour. Uh, also, another thing that I would happily like hand them my money for is making good on an a promise band I actually did make that same Power Morph Con. Psycho Pink, Savage Sword, Gimme. <laughs> Uh, I want my uh, Corona and uh, Astronoma two pack already. I mean, make like make no make it a three pack. Just like go all in, you know. Oh. I I would I would just you know like make an Amazon exclusive or whatever. But take my money, please. Yeah. yeah. We and we gotta make sure we have Astronoma. We have to make sure we have Astronoma figures with every one of her hair colors. Or dang it, we got a riot. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, my yeah, wife yeah. absolutely fell in love with Astronema. She actually went as Astronema to Ranger Stop and Pop um, this past summer. So if you if you saw her there, that was us. Um, but no, Astronema is... I forget who exactly said it, but they said that Astronema was the best character that Power Rangers has ever made. And I find it really hard to argue with that. She was very good, and I, I own the psychopath. I haven't read all of it because I got other things to do, mm. and I have a lot of books in general that I own and still have to get around to reading. Maybe I should read them before I buy more books. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I I feel like I feel better about the direction of the show than I feel about the direction of the toys even though we know very little about where the show's going and probably won't really know anything more until later in the fall whenever 
Like, we're kind of on their schedule. Uh, but it's like they'll announce, like, a fan-first Friday or a fan-first Thursday or whatever day of the week. And it'll basically be a nothing burger. Or it'll be nothing that we didn't already know. And um, maybe it's kind of a byproduct of how the show is off under E1 and not under, you know, John Hasbro. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, overall, I can't complain too much. Like, I wasn't following the figures nearly as much when they were still under Bandai, but I feel like they've given us a lot to be happy about, or at least they've had a pretty impressive output. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to stress about it too much. And once Netflix and once the Netflix series take off, uh, who knows what they might do with the toy lines to capitalize on the new content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the big thing, I think we want as fans kind of going back to what I was saying at first, we want, we want to know, we want like, we want clarity. We want to know what's up. We want to know, you know, the plan. Um, because I think, you know, we're all kind of, you know, just inherently nervous, like, yo, the show about to get canceled because, you know, Saban sucked, uh, but, you know, there's still a sense of like personal attachment to the show. Like, yeah, I mean, it's about money for him. Everything's about money for him, but you could sense in the way that he talked about the show when he bought it back in Disney for his song. There's a little bit of sentimentality there, like that he didn't want to part with it, but had to because it was wrapped up in that joint venture. Uh, you know, and he very much wanted Disney's multiple billions of dollars for a Fox family, so he had to part with Power Rangers. Um, but, uh, you know, you kind of you know wonder, is there a champion for PR at Hasbro, and who are they? But maybe, maybe that person is Jonathan Edwistle. Like, you, you want to know that there's somebody on the inside who loved this stuff as much as we do. Um, but we don't even know, for example, if they're going to be a PMC. It seems like the answer is no. Um, but maybe they'll have a video presentation. But because, like, that's normally when cast members go to New Zealand, uh, or about are about to go to New Zealand, you know, we just don't know what, what like, what the plans are. Um, do you hope uh, I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was our big topic for this uh, episode. We hope to be with you in another couple weeks when we uh, may be discussing uh, some Dino Fury or another subject yet to be determined. And uh, I've been Tyler. I've been Tori. And I'm still Lamar. All right, and we will... Uh, Catch up with you next time on RangerCast. visit rangercast.net or find us on your favorite podcast app rangercast is distributed under a creative commons license share it don't sell it rangercast's opening theme was composed by daniel park the ending theme was by tyler waldman 
This episode is dedicated to the memory of Robert Axelrod, Grant McFarland, and Scott Page Pactor. May they all rest in peace.